So we uh, are in a Easter series entitled Following Jesus. It is about learning truths about what that means and what it looks like to follow Jesus. And as I as I started this week, I I was at the desk and I opened up um, my Bible and started to do some of the exegetical work. I had to stop. I had a thought come to me, a question. And I have to just pause and think about this for a minute. And here's what the question was. What does it mean to people to follow Jesus? What would they say? So if, if I were to ask people the question, how would they answer it? What does it mean to follow Jesus? So what would you say? Think about that question. What does it mean for you to follow Jesus? I, mean, I have asked that question of a number of people, had conversations. And it, and it didn't matter um, if those people initially, because they had a lot of conversations and asked that question about what would it mean to have Jesus in your life? What would it mean to follow Jesus when they didn't know him? They didn't ask him into their heart in the first place. So it, didn't, it doesn't matter in terms of, of, of their situation or if they had followed Jesus. It didn't matter that the discussion and the question, the, the way that people responded, if they were a new Christian or they were way over here, anywhere on that spectrum, they all answered pretty much the same way. Maybe it's true for you as you just thought about it. And that is, when you think about following Jesus, it's rooted in your own experiences. That's how you think about it. That's how you process it. And you start to think about what it means to follow Jesus based on your life. And you think about the things that you, you do that are good, the things that you do that aren't so good in terms of following Jesus. And when you start to process what does it mean to follow Jesus, you're relating it to yourself. That wasn't the question. The question wasn't, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? The question was, what does it mean to follow Jesus? You, you see the difference? And that's not to say that the things that you're doing aren't helping you to follow Jesus. But I think if we really want to know what does it mean to follow Jesus, we ought to ask Him. We ought to read and hear and know what it is that he says about what it means to follow him. And that's what this series is all about. Truths about following Jesus. And we started last week with a passage about winning people for Christ, sharing the good news. Jesus repeatedly said throughout the Gospels, that's why he was sent to this earth, to proclaim the good news, to share truth about what it means to be a follower of Jesus initially, surrendering your heart and your life, recognizing that God sent Jesus out of his great love to be a redeemer, to forgive our sins. That was the starting place. This week we're going to look at another truth, Truth that comes out of John 15. We're going to read verses 5 to 8 in just a few minutes. And it's truth about following Jesus and going and growing deeper. And again, regardless of, of 
where you are, um, who you're being, this is a tremendous truth. And so I just really hope as you think about what does it mean to follow Jesus, you can open up your heart and listen to what it is that he has to say in these words. John 15, verses 5 to 8. Hear the word of the living Lord. I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in them, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, they're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the Word of God, when it be written in our hearts, lived in our lives. So this passage is a part of um, what I refer to often as Jesus' last words. It starts in chapter 14, goes all the way through chapter 17. Jesus is hours away from being arrested and then crucified. And I want you to think about that as you listen to what it is that he has to say, as you've read those words and you, you let them just take there and start to germinate in your heart. Is this not true? If God granted you the opportunity, I thought about this, if God granted you the opportunity, you knew you were going to die in a few hours, and you had loved ones gathered around you, that what you would say would be pretty important, pretty deep. Don't you think that would be true? Maybe you're still thinking about it. Yeah. I think if I had that opportunity, I knew I was going to die, and I had my, my children, my wife, and other people that I love around me, I would say some pretty deep things to them. I would want them to know some things that, that I wanted to share with them. It would be really, it'd be a really important time. And that's what's true of this passage with what Jesus is saying to his disciples. And I think about his heart set. I think about what it is as he looks at them and as he speaks and as he talks, what's going through his head, what's going through his heart. These are very, very powerful moments. And he shares some things that are incredibly important. Because soon he's going to be gone. He knows that. So what he shares is critically, critically important, profound, powerful. For them, if they wanted to continue to follow and to be. For you and me, if we want to continue to follow and to be. And this whole passage is just full of things. And he just wanted to look at verse 5 for starters. I am the vine, you're the branches. If a person remains in me and I in them, they'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Think about just those words. About connectivity about remaining that's a huge part of following being connected to Jesus and I love the, the way that he shares it because it's true for us given more truth that this revealed he speaks in terms of, of remaining and being connected in a way that is inseparable 
You can't even put a piece of paper between them, a vine and a plant. Now, the disciples understood that. See, all around them, and all throughout Jerusalem, there were vineyards with grapes, with vines. Even as Jesus is speaking the words, they can visualize what he's talking about. They can see it. They can see that big vine, and they can see the branches and the shoots, and they can see these big clusters of grapes. And they're understanding what he's saying to them. We can have that privilege in this neck of the woods, right? Farms and and gardens. Seeing and understanding the importance of the fruit staying connected to the plant. Whether it's pickles or cucumbers or squashes or or pumpkins, you, you can see it, right? You can understand how important that is and what happens when there is connectivity. When that fruit is connected to the branch and the branch is connected to the, to the vine or the plant, we, we, we get it. And that's what Jesus is speaking about in terms of our relationship with Him. And what happens if indeed we remain in and we stay connected incredibly powerful and what does God promise anyone who opens up their heart to him he'll give them the gift of the Holy Spirit you can read that in chapter 14 it's what he shared with the disciples as well I'm going to send another a counselor to teach you everything remind you of what I've taught you he's sharing that so that they'll be mindful and know that they'll never be alone that they'll have an opportunity to continue to grow and go deep they just need to stay connected to remain what does that mean for you process it think about it yeah I had the privilege last week of spending some time with a life group that Tammy Westor started and, and went through and they went through a, a book about the Holy Spirit and one of the things I shared in there is just think of the Holy Spirit and God gifts us that it's an indwellment that you have the Holy Spirit in your heart but here's part of the reality And so we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You read about that all of the time. It's like this water spigot that you have. The Holy Spirit water spigot right inside of you, planted in your heart. And because of free will, you have the capability of opening it up a little or a lot. It's always going to be there. You always have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you've asked your heart, Uh, Jesus to come into your heart always there but the reality is you have the capability of controlling that God doesn't force himself on anybody or to follow him and do what's right and holy no you have that capability that's that's a part of following remaining opening it up fully widely being filled with his presence and all that that means it's incredibly powerful very personal and a great challenge we'll get to that more in just a minute I remember um, going into my garden and I had a lot of vine plants um, lots of pickles squash had to start a whole nother pumpkin patch once we got grandkids 
And I remember when I would be out there and I would be um, watering or weeding, I would, I would look at all of the, the vine plants and kind of like step out into them sometimes. I was always just looking to see if anything was amiss. If perhaps a, a fruit was up on a high spot and it rolled, and that it would twist the, the branch, the, how it was connected. Because I knew that if that happened, that that would mean the start of death, right? So it wouldn't grow well, whatever. Um, so always was out there messing around. My wife thought it was crazy. That's okay. I'd be up there picking little pickles over, you know, that kind of thing. But that's the truth of it. I want you to think about that in terms of your life. Remaining, being connected. Where are the twists and the bends? Where are the pinches? See, life brings a lot of them, doesn't it? How can you straighten things out? And that's the life source for all followers of Jesus, his presence inside. And we need to do all that we can to make sure that that conduit, that that connection is, is free of any hindrances, of any obstacles. That's what he's sharing as truth. That's what he wants for us. And he makes it really clear. End of the verse. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So anytime you decide to, to walk away or take a path or not follow him, guess what? And when he speaks about that, he's talking about goodness. He's talking about harvest eternal things. Anytime our hearts and our minds aren't centered on Him and we're not alert, we're not following Him, the, 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 there's not anything good or great or eternal that's going to happen. And, and sadly, we allow that to happen a lot in our lives. That's why He speaks about it. That's why He shares truth about it. That's why it's so important to Him to say, remain in me. Because this is what happens when there's brokenness or when there's disconnected branches, there is no fruit. I remember going through the garden as well, and when I saw a, a, something that, that rolled in the, in the, in the vine, the, the, the branch got broken enough, and I could tell that it was starting to die, I'd just get rid of it. And there's a reason why. Anybody ever see those great big huge pumpkins? You ever seen any of those pumpkins? They're like five, six hundred pounds, huge things. You know what they do to produce those kinds of pumpkins? When they start to, they plant a, a pumpkin vine and it starts to grow, as there's blossoms and things, they cut them all off, every but, but one. So that the plant will give all of its energy to that one pumpkin. So get everything that that plant is producing. And when you have a, a broken or a damaged part of that vine, if there were other ones, that plant knows that. It senses it, just how God created. Isn't that awesome? And it starts to try to give all that energy to that one plant. But that's why he continues, and he says in verse 7, after ending with, apart from me you can do nothing, if, if anyone doesn't remain in me, they're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Those branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. It's not just that they're not going to produce fruit. It's that he, he, they're, they're, 
they're picked up and they're thrown away. That sounds kind of hard, maybe. But it's about the harvest. And so he shares truth about that. And I even thought about um, what happens with, with, um, with planting in farms. And I'm going to kind of look and see if I'm not dead spot on with this. But I had the privilege of, I remember um, when I was driving down the dirt road on my, my property in Fremont too. I saw in the, in the, in the cornfield there were parts that weren't planted and it was like perfect squares. Really symmetrical. And so I knew it just didn't happen by accident that, that maybe this plant didn't produce or this plant didn't produce. No, it was intentional. And so I asked the guy whose field it was and I said, hey, what's going on there? And he said, well, this is the deal. Our equipment now is so advanced, we go through and it takes a computerized image of, of the whole field and the parts that don't produce, it doesn't even drop seed in. And I'm like, wow. Why is that? Because they don't want to waste the time and the effort to continue to, to, fertilize, to take care of that part of the field if it's not going to produce a crop. Because it's so important. There's so many bottom lines there. Why waste time, effort, and money, right? That's what Jesus is speaking about. But, but here's the deal. Is that what he wants? Not at all. He doesn't want anybody's life to be unfruitful or unproductive. Just the opposite. That's why he's sharing that just so we'd think about that. We think about those times when things start getting a little twisty and a little pinched. I remember having conversations too where people would say, you know what? I, I just would like, I just would like to experience more of God in my life. I just want to have more God moments. I just want to experience, you know, I see so-and-so over here, and I just, that's part of what I would like. I just, I just would love to have that be a part of my experience and my walk with Jesus. And I just want to shout out, then do it! You think about all of the things that I, that I understood and knew it's true for me too, just like it is true for you. Where, where are the kinks? Where are the twists? Where are the bends? What are the things that are causing us to literally not be fruitful spiritually? You know what they are for you. He doesn't want anybody to not produce a harvest. He wants you to experience the fullness of all that He is. That's why He says, remain in Me. Think about what it means. Picture that vine plant and the fruit and everything that's happening. That's His hope. That's His desire. You can go back to John 6 when He was having conversations. He shared a hard truth. Some of the disciples started to grumble. Maybe you're familiar with it. And he reiterates, he reiterates the truth again. And he says, these are words of spirit and of truth. They grumble again. And then we read in verse 66 of that chapter, chapter 6, that some leave. Jesus asked ask the disciples, are you going to go too? Hey, here's a question for you. Do you think that that's what he wanted? No. Not at all. Not at all. 
He wants connectivity. He wants remaining. And that's what this passage is about. Following and being to the fullest. Do you remember, are you looking at the words of verse 7? This is so, this is so incredible. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. What a promise. It's repeated seven times in three chapters. It's a conditional statement. If, then. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask and it will be given. I think about that. And I think about the ways when I feebly offered up faith and trusted and believed in what it is that God promises. And I think about the ways that I've seen in other people's lives when they simply take God at His word and they open up their hearts and they reach deep inside. They go and they grow deep and they open it up and they let the Holy Spirit lead them and they just follow him to places that they never could have went on their own or they never even would have thought of going. It's profound. And then the fruit and then the, the harvest is incredible. Those words, that promise is a life changer and it's a church changer. I want you to think about it. What is it that Jesus is saying here? It's pretty simple. Go Google some pictures about pumpkin patches. And, all. and I have a question, too. This is, this is so profound. This is so powerful. Because if you get into verse 8, it's related to it. He said, this is for my Father's glory. This is all about kingdom things. This is all about eternal things. It's all about bringing honor and glory to my Father. That you bear much fruit. Did you hear that? That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's one of the signs of completely following Jesus is the fruit that happens and the harvest that takes place. So i got a question. Is anybody here a, a farmer or a gardener? Boy, I was thinking there was going to be more. So here's a question, because in a couple months you're going to go plant, right? Some things, maybe a little later. Let me ask you this. When you go to take those seeds, I don't care what seeds, I don't, whatever it is that you grow, and you put it down in the ground, do you put that seed in the ground hoping that things turn out poorly? No. You put a seed in the ground and say, you know what, I hope nothing comes up. Yeah. It's one of the things I loved about my garden. I was out there every day checking for the littlest spot of green. When you put that seed in the ground, i got a question for you. When you put that seed in the ground, are you hoping that things are just okay or mediocre? You know, maybe something will grow, and if it does, it'll be okay if I, you know. Or is this not true? When you put that seed in the ground, you hope for an incredible yield. That it will be, you'll just be amazed at what that plant produces. 
Who puts a seed in the ground hoping for that? Anybody who puts one in, I hope. See, here's the deal. That's God's desire for you. And I am certain, and I'm thinking of farmers in particular, you put seed in the ground, you would love to have a record crop, a record yield. And what's more, you would hope that you'd break it year after year after year after year. Wouldn't that be amazing? Do you see what's in God's heart? For you as a follower of Jesus. About his desires, his hopes for you. He's given you the promise. And the truth is, he'll keep it. He won't drag you. He won't force you. But know that he wants you in your heart and in your life to bear much fruit. Not a little. Much. Might it be. Will you pray with me? Well, God, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you for your promises. Lord, sometimes I'm sure that all of us have had that. We sit and we wonder, what does it look like to follow the one who died for me? Who do I need to be and what do I need to do? And Lord, isn't it amazing when we stop and think that out of your great love you sent Jesus for us and you desire us to bear much fruit, to remain in you, to follow you, to experience the rich and the beautiful things about what that looks like and what that means, the privilege of simply being a part of your plans. It's incredible. And that's a gift that you give to everybody here. So, Lord, on, on, on everyone's behalf, and I'm sure they're praying it up right now themselves, that, oh, Lord, you would help us to know more and more through the living of life, what it means to follow you and experience the trip of a lifetime. You are a good and a glorious God.